welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. And joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Hello, I'm doing this show under protest. We'll get to that in a minute. Joining us also is Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. I don't know why we're shouting! I'm angry at things! <laughs> Will Farrell's going to sue somebody. <laughs> As you may, you will undoubtedly notice as we move into the episode, we are not joined this week by Lee Younger. Lee is on special assignment down what? there in Tennessee. Couldn't make the recording. We will carry on bravely and stoically in his stead, I'm sure. I'm is, protesting. Is that what we're protesting? Is Lee not being here? Yeah, that's protesting is neither brave nor stoic. Please pay closer attention to the things I say. I think what we need to do is to say, like, if Lee's not here... It's not a real show. Clearly not. Sure. Here's the, I have another problem, and this is deeply disturbing to me. Tell me. Is when we do this show, we always have headphones on. Right. So we can hear Lee. I called this. Yeah. Jed and I are setting up the equipment. I'm getting out the headphones as often do. Now, on every other week, we Skype Lee in, so we have to plug it into the headphones so you don't hear it bleeding into our recording. Jed Billy's up and says, well, actually, we don't need headphones this week. And I said, I guarantee you at some point, Glenn will complain about not having headphones on. And let me tell you what. We uh, we should have headphones on. <laughs> Would you like me to get Would you like headphones, headphones? Or plugged in because anything? Because I don't feel like it's a real thing unless okay. we have headphones on. That's number one. Sure. Number two. It interferes with your process. <laughs> it interferes with my process. I got I to gotta have a process. Sure, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And not only should Lee, see, I should have headphones, but Lee should be in them. Yes. You understand what I'm saying? Just give you headphones to start playing one of Lee's records. That, something. Just to soothe you. I mean, yeah. it, it's a world gone mad is what I'm trying mad. to say. Okay. You feel forgotten and alone. Yeah. Yeah. Where's Lee? Where's Lee? Where? Well, how? You know, like, Why have you forsaken us, Lee? I was, you know Seems what I, strong. Here's what I, here's what I say. If Lee's not doing the show, I'm not doing the show. Okay? Sure. But then I come down into the studio at, uh, say, that Worldwide Headquarters. Here's Matt. Here's Jed. They're ready to go. They're sure. like, you know, so what? We don't need Lee. And I'm like, whoa, guys. Whoa. Whoa. That's not cool. It's not. And particularly had we said it, it would be particularly not cool. Right. I yeah. mean, Jed and I just want to put on a show for the people. We know they, ch- they check their iPods every Wednesday. They want to see a show. Right. Lee had other pressing issues and couldn't do it, but he wanted us to soldier on. I guess my question, Glenn, is why do you hate our listeners? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Glenn. Unless you see them as sparing, unless you see sparing them a week of this nonsense as a mitzvah, in which case I'm kind of with you. Sure. On that basis, I declare an emergency. Well, wow. I am intrigued to hear more about this emergency that is in no way a way to get away from the fact that Matt just accused you of hating our listeners. That's right. And it's also not the same emergency. He just forgot to declare emergency two minutes ago. <laughs> that's, a, that's another strong point. <laughs> okay, now here's what happened. There's a controversy out there, y'all. Is there? Controversy. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but when there's a controversy, that's when I'm happy. Okay, you feel like you got to weigh in? Dude, that's the best part. Sure. I, you know what? If you could have a controversy every day for me to get on Facebook and give my opinion based on almost no knowledge of that controversy. <laughs> okay. That's because, you know, because at first I was like, who cares? And, sure. and I don't know anything about it. So I would just keep my thoughts to myself. Has nothing to do with my life. Yeah. I get on Facebook. There are people. Let me tell you what. It must be the best thing in the world. Because sure. if you say controversy, go. Every one of them's got something to say. Yeah, sure, you, you know what I mean. 
go to the speakers, crank a little Prince of the Revolution controversy as you're writing, just synergy. Sure. That's a reference almost none of our audience members would get, but yeah. And you I know. commend you for it. Sure. He wrote Bat Dance. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I'm trying to say is we got a controversy with this a movie called Noah. Noah. Right. So it's like, it's a Bible movie. Uh-huh. Okay. I went to this movie. And it's, you know what the problem is? It's not biblically accurate. I see. That's what the people are saying. I was like, whoa, wait a second. That's a heavy thing to say. Okay. Somehow they didn't turn a three-page story, the book of Genesis, into a 90-minute movie while maintaining total scriptural accuracy. Well, that's, you know, because, you know, that's what I was expecting was a documentary. Sure. On the life of Noah. Now, have you, the director, of course, is a man named Darren Aronofsky. Right. Have you seen any of his previous films? Officially, I have not. Okay. Yeah. I think The Wrestler was a biblical narrative about Jacob, right? No. Uh, unofficially, I think I've seen them all, but, you know, officially, n- none. Yeah, because if you've seen really any, um, you know, Pi, mm-hmm. The Wrestler, yeah. Black Swan, probably a bit much to expect that Noah would be, you know, like a strict biblical presentation. Right. Well... Okay, so I was going. I was. I had that thought. Sure. Like maybe. Who knows? I have an open mind. Jay. Sure. Totally. I go into it saying, you know, this is a controversy. Sure. But if I'm gonna weigh in, I'm gonna get in it. Sure. And see what's happening. Absolutely right. I'm gonna offer a fresh new perspective. on Totally. This thing. And that's what we're looking for. Because you know what happens? People get on that Facebook and they read opinions. Mm-hmm. Sure. And what happens is they read an opinion on a, on a movie or something. Sure. Or whatever it is, and they say, "Whoa." Yeah, blows their mind. That is, I wish I had said that. Sure. You know, so I can't wait to say the things that other people will be blown away by. Sure, totally. So we'll, I go, we'll do it, man. Blow me away. Well, this is the thing. I go to this movie, okay? Yeah. And Okay, maybe it's not going to be totally scripturally accurate. Sure. Okay? But you got to have an open mind. I go in with an open mind. You know what? Not only is it not scripturally accurate. Sure. It's puppets. Whole show. Well, there's some people that are puppets, some people that are not puppets. That's right. singing, dancing, whatever, back and forth, and skits okay. and uh, high jinks. Aronofsky movie with puppets sounds intriguing. Let me, let me tell you what. It wasn't. Need, there wasn't no boat. Okay. You understand what I'm saying? There was no ark. There okay. was no two by two. Anything. I'm guessing there were animals. There were like all kind of puppet. An, there were like animal maybe a frog, puppets. There was a, pig, a frog. Yeah, a yeah. Bear. Yeah, yeah. And they're all talking. You which, didn't know what it was. Yeah, and they're, they're all talking, and I, which I don't know if that's biblical either. Was Blair, there? Is there a chance you saw the Muppet movie? I I don't know what that is. Okay. But there was there was there was uh, I don't even know what a Muppet is. But there were puppets in this movie. Okay. And they're dancing around, having adventures, and going all over the place. Was Tina Fey in this movie? Uh, yeah, she was in that movie, yeah. Okay, Ricky Gervais. She was in Noah, yeah. Yeah, no, you, you definitely saw the Muppet movie, bro. Well, uh, because... Dude, I, were there a lot of small children very confused about why you were screaming about biblical inaccuracy? Well, at one movie? point I yelled out, where's the flood? You know, nobody was... Uh, people were like, be quiet, man, that's not sure. cool. The frog yeah. singing, they yeah. said. Yeah, so that's... Uh, it's not biblically accurate at all. Well, see, Glenn, you know, I'm relieved to, to hear that you did not, in fact, see Noah, right. uh, because my opinion, having not seen it, mm. is that if you were to see it, and I'm going to be putting this on my Facebook, like, 
as soon as we're done with this recording, sure. is that if you do see Noah, mm. it just a grease chute opens and sends you directly to hell. You just go right on down. Just straight down. Baby, that's what happened to Lee. Oh my goodness. That's what that case. That's what Lee likes movies. <laughs> that's what happened, y'all. I think we may have to declare a rare double emergency. Double secret emergency. Tell us more, Matt. Ted, when you whisper on a podcast, you still have to maintain a low volume so it goes with the mic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here, here's all I'm saying. We, 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 Lee's not here. Right. He sent us a text. That, that part is a fact. Sure. He sent me a text earlier this afternoon that said, "Look, I'm uh, hosting this concert for our friend Eric Peters at the church. We're actually going to get him to record something, maybe for Bridgebox later on down the line. Hint, right. hint, hint. Ooh. So I'm actually was hoping to do that earlier. Not be able to do that in the podcast, right. but maybe that's code." Mm. Because, you know, there's people monitoring all our transmissions. Right. And I'm, of course, talking about Joel Osteen. Right. Obviously. So that may be code for I'm about to go into the NOAA, and I don't know what's going to happen. Right. I don't know what's going to happen. It could be terrible. It could be life-ending. But here's the thing. Russell Crowe's fighting water, and I got to see that. Yeah. Uh, Well, that's, okay, Uh, because you had me at Russell Crowe fighting, you know, blank. Anything after that, I'm, I'm in. But what I'm hearing you say is Bible code, Osteen, grease you to hell. Yeah, that's right. That's what Those are the really. highlights, yeah. That's the takeaway. So um, should we have like a Lee Memorial uh, you know, moment, you know? Should we have a minute of silence? Yeah, totally. I think... Uh, I don't think we have to wait a whole minute. Well, I mean, time is money. I think I think the s- symbolism is really what counted. It's, there was silence. Yeah, yeah, and we had. Here's, a thought, here's what you, you know. do when you got the iPod: just pause it for a minute. There you go. <laughs> That'll be a minute, a minute of silence, and then right back into the show. That's right, because uh, uh, you know, and I think I think Lee would have wanted us to continue on. But sure. we're we're figuring that absolutely true. We're like figuring, almost as if he didn't exist. Let's just keep going. That kind of. <laughs> well, we're, we're, comments of Glenn Fitzgerald are not necessarily reflect those of the Say That Podcast or management. So we're figuring Lee watched Noah, and mm. that led him down a path to perdition, and he's gone now. Right, correct. Yeah, the earth swallowed him up, and he's never Meanwhile, to be seen again. all the people who went to see God's Not Dead walked out not swallowed into a black hole. Well, I guess we all know what that means. I mean, they were swallowed well, into a black hole of boredom, I assume, but not a literal one. Right. That very closely resembled my collegiate experience. <laughs> I had professors walk in and say, there is no God. Sure. We were all pretty confused because it was a circuits class. Right. Sure. We raised our hands and said, I don't see how that relates to this. It's electrical engineering. What what are we talking about? Yeah. Well, you know, I feel like um, we should all share our our favorite memories of Lee. Sure. Just... uh, Sure. Just at his passing. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, I don't... You know, right now I don't have any, but uh, <laughs> I think we. Wow, you, know, you really brought that brought that up, and then maybe, you kind of went nowhere. Maybe we could fly some in later. I don't know. You know. Yeah. Well, I I have a favorite memory. Of Lee. Okay, go for it. You, I, you go first. Sure. You know, I I remember Lee has uh, one of them uh, iPads. Sure. And uh, fancy. I remember. You know, I'm told it's real, real nice. And and I remember the one time he told me, you know, Jed, if I ever mysteriously vanish. Oh. I just want you to have my iPad. Right. Legally binding. And so I mean just... that in a very real and legally binding way. Right. So you should just 
get that in the mail right right away. Exactly right. Okay. So, you know, because, and I was like, Lee, two things. One, that's so generous of you and so kind. And, and right. two, I can't imagine that you just suddenly disappeared. That's just right. weird. Right, I mean, right, 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 don't right. talk like that. He's like, bro, yeah. for real. For real. If I disappear, wow. you, iPad, boom. You know what? I just felt that. Yeah. I felt the reality of that. Yeah, I totally did not make that up for my own personal gain. Not, not at all. No, that because why, why? What would you stand to gain? Absolutely. Besides the iPod, you know, well, or the iPad, <laughs> whatever that is. It, Either in, way, in a time like this, it feels mercenary to even think of something. Yeah, let's <laughs> not. You know what? Let's not think about who gets all of Lee's stuff, please. Because um, I'm sure there's some form. Because there of, was no fine print in that contract we made him sign to <laughs> sign on to be a co a co-host. <laughs> Yeah, you that's know, the important thing. Nothing that, nefarious in there at all. That's you know. So let's you know. Let's you know what. Let's remember the happy times. Sure, sure. I don't have any right now that I can think <laughs> of, but you know, there, I'm sure there's lots of happy times. You As know. a defense mechanism, Glenn tends to forget everything that's happened on the podcast as soon as we turn the mics off. Yeah, I I, I just dumped that. <laughs> that way, right when his wife's of, mad at him later, he can uh, feign ignorance. <laughs> yeah, oh, that has happened in reality. So yeah. Um, no, that's, uh, well, before we do our, uh, I think third Lee dying or being murdered <laughs> bit in three weeks. That is kind of true. <laughs> it's kind of coming up a Lee, lot. Lee dying is really, you Lee know. Lee has become the Kenny of this show in a lot let me, of ways. Let me just say, I think we've learned some very disturbing things about what you two guys think of Lee. Well, wow. how I wanna, you secretly want him dead. Um, okay. Before that goes any further, I want to change course. I want to, you know, put out uh, maybe just an alternate theory of Lee's disappearance, oh. which is, you know, maybe maybe Lee's had enough of us talking about you know him. Wow, him dying. Maybe wow. you know maybe feels like you know uh, where's the love, man? Right. And I just want to say Lee does Lee, often speak in Black Eyed Peas lyrics. Lee, if you're out there, yeah, if you're out there, baby, if you're out there and you're listening, mm. come on back, Lee. Come on back, Lee. come on. You know you know we miss you. Mm, girl. You know it's not like that. Mm, Lee, girl. Sure, yeah, man. We you know this and that. I can't think of things that aren't massively inappropriate to say right now. <laughs> Ripcord. <laughs> Call the bail out of that bit. <laughs> Executive override on that one. That, that, was, that was about to get bad in a hurry. Well, once again, I declare emergency <laughs> off to get Jed out of trouble. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Let's be very clear about a couple of things. Sensitive podcast listening audience. <laughs> Lee is fine. Lee will uh, be back next well, week. Well, we don't know He's that. But, a concert. You know. It's great. Could be in hell. We don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Statements and attitudes of Glenn Fitzgerald did not reflect that of say, the Say That Podcast, Mission USA Productions, or other co-hosts. Wow. I love Lee. <laughs> Apparently. I don't, I don't know how you, what you guys are talking about. As we pointed out. I'm the only one that's worried. <laughs> as we previously pointed out, he is hanging out with our friend Eric Peters tonight. Hopefully, they are recording a track that will, at some point in the future, end up on Bridgebox. What's Bridgebox, you say? I'm glad you asked, person I made up. <laughs> Bridgebox is our monthly subscription media service. Nice I'm going to break segue. it down for you just like this. You give $8 a month to Urban Ministry here in Chicago, and for $8 a month, we do ministry to people on the street, and you get stuff that ministers to you. Woot. Songs, sermons, Bible studies, lots of cool stuff. So much ministry for $8, you won't even believe it. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. And since we made so many jokes about his untimely demise, you can also sign up for the Bridge Lee Younger-branded Bridgebox, MissionUSA.com slash BBLY, all the same stuff except substitute 
Tennessee for Chicago. Go back in your own audio editing software and feel free to do that. All right, we're going to jump into our questions here. Because we were without Lee, we wanted to do something a little different this show. We're going to do something that the three of us do for our day jobs, which is we've had a bunch, a few questions coming lately about ministry to the least of these, which is kind of the catch-all term we use for homeless folks, uh, folks struggling with addiction, maybe folks coming out of jail, folks caught up in gangs, basically uh, people that have... Uh, society and the mainstream church doesn't really uh, know what to do with. That is uh, who we minister to on a daily basis. That's why Glenn started Mission USA, was minister to exactly those kind of folks. So we've got three questions that are on that specific topic. And uh, if that's something that interests you, this will be great for you. And if it's not, we're going to talk about some ministry stuff and principles that are applicable to any kind of ministry you want to do. We learned them um, doing this kind of work, which is very intense. you got to get it right. you got to get it right the first time. So if you're just someone who wants to uh, help help out, volunteer at church, do some youth ministry, whatever, these are you're going to hear some principles you can pick up on as well. All right, let's jump into our first question here. This came into our Tumblr. Hang on this all the way to the end. I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. It says... What are your thoughts on social justice, mercy ministries, compassion ministries, and the proclamation of the gospel to the ends of the earth? If I build a house or give a cup of water or deliver lunches for people but don't share the gospel with them, isn't that just taking care of physical needs but neglecting spiritual needs? On the other hand, if someone sees his brother in need and does nothing to help, can the love of Christ really be in him? Glenn, can you kick us off? Absolutely. And as you say, this is uh, you know part of the stuff that we deal with every day. The question that you're asking is is actually an old, classic kind of dilemma. Uh, this is what we call uh, a, a social gospel uh, stuff. Uh, it's a little bit of an old school term, but there was a, a movement, uh, particularly at the turn of the last century, where we were going out and doing lots and lots of charitable things, but uh, there was not necessarily a, a gospel uh, evangelical element to that. Uh, so they were doing um, a, a lot of the physical things that you're suggesting and talking about here, uh, but not necessarily the you know the missions, the ministry, uh, uh, making of disciples, part of that. And um, uh, and that turned out to not go so well uh, from the standpoint of it didn't sort of uh, lapse into something spiritual and so on and so forth. Uh, so I think. Th- you're right to be concerned about it. And I think you're right to look at, okay, there needs to be a ministry involved in this. Obviously that's the point. And that there needs to be a specific plan to get us from A to B that, okay, we're, yes, we're going to go and dig a well. We're going to uh, help build a school. We're going to do whatever we're going to do, but here's how we're going to transition that into actual direct ministry. So there has to be a, a plan. There has to be an intent there that it would be really good if that was based on previous success uh, from another, you know, uh, missions type uh, setup. But uh, this is uh, what you're talking about falls under the category of what we call helps. So if you have evangelism is starting ministry from scratch, get, uh, preaching the gospel to people who haven't heard it. Uh, discipleship is taking people who have accepted that salvation and helping them to grow to where they can share that with others. And then helps is uh, doing something physical that allows either the evangelism or the discipleship to move forward. 
So if you're driving the church bus and delivering people to church, you're doing as much ministry as the guy preaching in the, in the pulpit because those people wouldn't get ministry to if it wasn't for you. Uh, same thing for the pastor. If he doesn't preach the sermon, they're not going to get ministered to. So there's no difference between the ranking and the importance of the helps versus the pastorate. Uh, you know, the, the evangelism, the discipleship, and the helps all work together, and one isn't more important than the other as far as that goes. Uh, so if you're just doing charity just to do charity, yes, at some point um, you're going to sense that there the, we need to have the gospel you know, be part of that. Uh, but the, the, the thing that we look at is if you want to just set out to do the ministry alone, you will, especially if you're in an economically depressed area, immediately it will come up do you care about these people that are starving? Yeah. Uh, if someone's dying of starvation, you're trying to tell them the gospel, you, you know, hand them a biscuit and, you know, come back tomorrow and tell them about sure. the gospel. This you makes know. everything go down smoother. That's how I, that's how I look at it. Uh, but the, uh, that's what we call in, on the mission field, earning the right to be heard, that we do those things that show that we care in order to, uh, um, you know, get that, a position of respect in other people's lives when we do the ministry. So it's not either or. We're not just doing one or the other. We figure out a way to do both. And uh, the main thing that we look for is uh, with whoever we're dealing with, is there a physical barrier uh, that's holding back a spiritual progress? So again, if someone's physically starving, if they have uh, health issues, if you know, if, if, if it's getting a bus to deliver the people to the meeting, uh, that's just a physical thing that's that's keeping the ministry side from moving forward. You want to look for those things. You want to address those, eliminate those, and use that as building a credibility and earning that right to be heard. So, um, uh, I, uh, having said all that, I'll I'll part with this and kick it over to Jed. That it's important to recognize if you're if you don't know what to do and you have no skill and you have no ability and you're you're not whatever. Start with the helps, figure out how to connect that to somebody who's doing ministry, and you'll do fine with that. That's the, the simplest and easiest way to get started. So, so uh, having that attitude of jumping in there and, and doing something physical is not a, a bad uh, attitude to have. Absolutely, Jed. I uh, obviously agree with everything Glenn said, 100%. Uh, a couple things to add to it. Uh, you, uh, you're, at the end of the question, you say, on the other hand, if someone sees his brother in need but does nothing to help, can the love of Christ really be in him? And, of course, you're quoting the book of First John there. Um, and you're, you're right to quote it, um, that we have um, a mandate from the Lord to address people's physical needs as well as their spiritual needs. There's no question about that. Uh, one of the things that happens is... Um, uh, uh, I'll tell you what it looks like. What it looks like is that sometimes in Christianity there are people who have a lot of money and a lot of resources and uh, kind of want to keep it. Um, and so um, they look for reasons to not do something about other people's physical needs. Um, that sounds really not cool and really cynical, um, and if there's another explanation, um, I'd love to hear it. You tell me. Uh, but uh, oftentimes we see – I'll put it to you this way. It's, it's an interesting um, irony that the people who tend to be the most concerned about a, a social gospel that doesn't have enough focus on evangelism are often the people with the most money. 
Uh, it's just, it's an interesting irony that it tends to, to turn out that way. The truth is that Christians are directly commanded by Jesus, by the Bible, to address the physical needs of poor people. I want to repeat that. Right. Christians, all Christians everywhere, with yes. no exceptions, right. are directly commanded by the Lord Jesus Christ to do something about the physical needs of people who are economically poor. Right. Uh, 100%. There's full no stop. way to get around that. Um, as and gl- why would you want to? Why would you want say. to? As as Glenn and and to be clear, that's going to involve you taking resources you have, right. and then giving them to them so that you don't have them anymore, right. and they have them instead of you. Right. That doesn't mean it has to be all of your resources. It doesn't mean it has to be a huge percentage of your resources. Right. But it means there's stuff that you have, some amount of stuff that you have now that you will give them, and then you will no longer have it. Even if it's just giving your time. Exactly right. You know that's you know that's just the biblical model. Now, as Glenn says, this is not meant to be a a an either or thing. We can either address their physical needs or their spiritual needs. This is meant to be a both and thing, where the result is greater than the sum of the parts, uh, where it produces. You know, this is kind of a hackney business term, but there's a synergy to it. What comes out of it? Don't ever badmouth synergy, Lemon. Exactly right. <laughs> uh, whatever. What comes out of it is is much bigger than what went into it. There was a psychologist named Abraham Maslow, um, and he said that people have a hierarchy to the things that they need, that it's very difficult for people to care about things that are a little bit more high-minded when their basic needs are not met. So if they're going to bed hungry at night, they might not be super interested in talking about uh, the importance of a college education. It just, you know, I got more pressing concerns. Um, and, and so it is with spiritual stuff. If you're working with people where their basic physical needs are not met, um, it's not really reasonable to ask them to be terribly concerned about um, eternal stuff when uh, we're having a hard time just making it through today. So as Glenn's saying, we're able to focus on meeting people's physical needs as part of helping the discussion go towards stuff that's spiritual and that's eternal. I'll tell you one more thing on that. Um, uh, and you will never, ever hear this from a theologian, but you will hear it from a missionary. Um, if you're meeting someone's physical needs, they'd love to hear about whatever God you'd like to tell them about. Yeah. Yep. Um, if you've been there for them in physical ways that matter, uh, they're down with whatever religion you'd like to describe. Right. Uh, if you have not been there, for them in physical ways that matter. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah. That's a great point. I'm going to tie a couple things on the end here. Uh, one, it actually goes back to kind of the theme of this episode where we pull this idea of the least of these as a quote from Matthew 25. I'm going to read a little bit here. It's Matthew 25, starting in verse 34. It says, Then the king, that being Jesus, will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, needing clothes and clothe you? King will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. It's a very important verse to what we do here in Chicago, and it's a very interesting thing if you notice about that list is those are all physical needs. Food, drink, shelter, clothing, uh, a visit when someone is in jail, which those of us who have done some prison ministry believe us is an actual physical health need, uh-huh. a psychological health. Now, not that uh, spreading the gospel isn't important. Obviously, Jesus goes on to say, uh, make disciples among all the nations, but all that stuff's in there, too. And uh, Christians, as Jed's pointing out, have a real interesting way of focusing on that making disciples thing, which you might be able to do for free 
and the uh, feed, clothe, shelter people, which always involves money and often involves interacting with people that at first blush anyways, you don't really want to be around. And I say this with all the love in the world for the folks we used to do at the bridge. There's some smells involved. <laughs> There's some weird <laughs> rambling stories involved. It's not the most pleasant environment all the time, but it's what Jesus is calling you to do. Right. So I think, I'm going to echo what these guys say. That it, has, it does have to be both. Ideally, in a ministry environment, you want both physical needs and spiritual needs being met. Here's the interesting thing, as uh, both Glenn and Jetta pointed out. Um, if you meet someone's physical needs in kind of a recurring way, if you show up at the soup kitchen or the shelter or the old folks, whatever, eventually, and sooner rather than later, most of the time, somebody's going to ask you, why are you here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's a pretty darn wide open door, and you don't have to get to the spiritual stuff the first day. Yeah. You don't have to, if you left without giving someone a full gospel presentation, that doesn't mean it didn't count as ministry. And... Just for those of you who are going out to do helps, don't ever give anyone a full gospel presentation. Holy crap, is that weird? Yeah. So you open it up with, can we be praying for you? Or here's a Bible. That's all great stuff. You don't, I think, I know I did. And I know a lot of people, before they do any ministry, have this idea of you have to give this very impassioned, fiery, Billy Graham esque, winning souls kind of thing every time or it don't count if you died tonight do you know for sure you wouldn't go with lee (laughs) down Uh, to perdition it's always deeply disturbing when the emergency bleeds into the real episode (laughs) on that note moving on Mm. our next question came in also at our tumbling box it says how do you help people whose lives are in shambles when you don't have the power to actually do anything of significance inmates prostitutes homeless people the unemployed all i can do is maybe give them a meal hear their story offer a ride something like that that doesn't solve their major physical problems nor their spiritual ones i feel like giving up because a cup of water does nothing if they have no money for rent next month jay can you start us off on this one i love this question this is a fantastic fantastic question and the answer to your question is the power of a team that's the answer to your question. Okay. If you want to transform people's lives in a really holistic, really uh, just amazing way, it's the power of the Holy Spirit, yes, but it's the power of the Holy Spirit manifest through a team of human beings that are getting that done. Let me tell you what I mean. Um, we do, um, uh, I'm not going to be modest here for a second, we do amazing work here in Chicago. Uh, the, the folks that we work with go from... Uh, put it to you this way, you would not recognize the before and after. Uh, I mean, literally, uh, people that we work with, it's been a couple of years, if you met them today, you would not believe them when they described where they were two and a half, three years ago. Yeah. No Mainly because co- you might not be able, be able to believe that a condition that terrible actually exists. Yeah. Um, so incredible transformation can take place, but what's fueling that is that we have a team of people here who are all working together as parts of a body to allow that transformation to move forward. A lot of those pieces are very, very mundane. Um, our bridge prep uh, starts about five in the afternoon on Tuesdays, and it starts with Matt and I hauling a bunch of heavy boxes and putting them in the back of my minivan. Preach. Um, there's nothing. Sp- there's literally nothing less glamorous than that. Yeah, I mean that's the maximum strength roadie experience. Um, but if we don't do that, 
that service actually cannot happen. Now, at that service, people are going to get connected with job opportunities. They're going to get connected with um, places to live. They're going to have conversations. People are going to come to know the Lord at that service. They're going to get connected. People can help them get their GED, get clothes, get physical health care. But if Matt and I aren't rain or shine out loading the heavy boxes into the minivan at 5 p.m., none of that happens. Mm -hmm. Now, when we get to the bridge, another team of people take those heavy boxes and open them and set up the stuff that's inside. And if if that team of people doesn't uh, take those boxes and set it all up, the service doesn't happen. And none of that really amazing transformative stuff happens. And then there's another team of people that's there preparing food and making sure that's all lined out. And if they don't do that, understand... That service does not happen. Yeah, we're having real problems. Though. If there's no food, um, the, things right. have ground to a halt. Right. Um, the food was late being delivered this week at the bridge, and there was as close to panic as there shall ever be at the bridge. Yeah. Then you have uh, you know people that, yes, they stand up and they deliver a word and whatnot, but as Glenn said just a moment ago, that's no more or less important than any other piece in that uh, uh, supply chain. Right. Um, we absolutely need them to do that, but they're only able to do it because the huge number of people earlier in the day and earlier in the night that have set everything up for that to be able to occur. Then there's another team of people after the service who swoop in and are focusing on -on one-on-one conversations with the people who are attending the bridge, getting a sense of what their physical needs are, what their spiritual needs are, where they're at, what challenges they're facing, cataloging that. Then on Sundays, we all get together and talk about who's struggling with what, who can we plug into which resource, how do we optimize that, how do we make that go properly, how do we make that all work out. The truth is, on any given week, the bridge, in, uh, in, if you include staff and volunteers and whatnot, it's probably 20 people um, mm-hmm. all total that come sure. together on a weekly basis to make that thing happen and come off. And the thing, the, it's a long answer, but the reason I go through all that to say is the bridge is able to accomplish every week way more and way deeper impact than any one of us could ever do by ourselves. Mm-hmm. Without question. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, you, if you take the sharpest, most talented amongst us and put us on our own and say, go do something, we would never, not in a year, would we come close to the kind of impact we can make on a weekly basis working together as a team. Right. So I say all that to say that you're right in your observation that you by yourself are limited in what you're able to do. But the answer to that is not discouragement. The answer to that is recognizing the necessity of a team to be working with you so that you as a team can begin to address the problems that people are facing in their lives absolutely glenn <laughs> yeah i think agree uh, uh with what uh jed is saying there and i uh, uh, i think the there's always a problem when uh when the problem when the challenge of the mission field presents itself and you say how can i fix this yeah a uh, year, you don't fix anything. That's not the nature of this thing. You you aren't uh, the savior, as it turns out. That's uh, that's a job that's already been. However, to be fair, uh, that's where we all started. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, the you, you realize uh, the the first thing you realize on on a real mission field uh, of any real intensity is, uh, okay, wait, uh, I don't. Not only do I not have what it takes to fix this, I can't imagine a scenario yeah. where I could have what it takes to fix this. Uh, and at that point, you're supposed to say, I need to utterly rely on God. Yeah. And uh, then, as, as uh, Jez is pointing out, uh, find people that we can work together with and yeah. strategize together with. Uh, I have people that do, uh, 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 that I know that do pe- uh, uh, work 
mostly on their own with homeless ministries, for example. Uh, but I'm still that guy that they sit down and strategize with. If they don't have a staff, they can mm-hmm. still talk with me. So um, it, it uh, exactly as just saying, it's important to have that team. But um, there's a point of humility that needs to happen very, very early on where you say, I'm not, I can't fix any of this. Yeah. Uh, God's got to fix this. And how do I help God? And that's mm-hmm. now we're, now we're underway. Um, uh, the important thing is to figure out where to start. Uh, and that's can be tough with uh, some of the problems that uh, that get presented. You know, it's like that old saying, uh, you know, how do you eat an elephant? You eat it one bite at a time. And that's that's how it is helping the kind of people that we help. And, and it's true for a lot of uh, ministries that are more in, uh, intense, long-term discipleship-oriented uh, missions, ministries, and, and outreach ministries, uh, where you're working on how do we take people over this long journey of discipleship over a long you know course of the walk of their life to where they're able to then be leaders to new people coming in and the thing is with that you 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 have to find where 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 is the beginning point on that yeah. uh and that's about keeping things simple as about uh, speaking to the fundamentals, it means you don't start at what offends you the most mm-hmm, or that you mm-hmm. think th- that you're antsy to see the other person fix the fastest and all of that. One other thing, and this is extra secret bonus uh, 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 material that you'll, that's the really high power secret material we use, is when you're, when you're talking to somebody who has 40 or 50 major unsolvable problems that they're telling you all in a row, which is our work day. Um, What you're looking for is a common thread. Mm -hmm. What you'll start to see is certain themes that emerge. So, for example, a person might say, well, I'm having a job problem, uh, finding a job. Uh, uh, because I'm at the house doing errands for my girlfriend and I haven't been going to church lately. Why haven't you been going to church lately? lately? Well, I've been helping out my girlfriend. I haven't, I, I feel like I'm out of touch with my family. I'm not going to my 12 step meetings. Okay. Why is all that? Well, hang a lot with a girlfriend. I, I think we've. You notice we've, that word you keep saying over and over. <laughs> yeah, um, what you what you'll find eventually is there may be a dozen problems here, but they all kind of intersect at the girlfriend uh, situation. So changing the nature of that relationship and looking at different ways of modifying that relationship uh, can have a sort of a cascade effect, sort of the, a domino effect on all these other areas. And if you're doing better in all those areas, here's the thing, is that's going to create momentum to yep. the next thing you want to fix. So you've got sort of this head of steam, you have a little more energy, you have a little more vitality, uh, and you're going to use that and capitalize on that as you attack your next problem. And if if you do well with that, again, it builds uh, uh, that momentum, and, and suddenly we're really getting somewhere. So... Uh, that's our, that's the secret sauce there on how we get that stuff done is look for that common thread. Uh, uh, you might see two or three of those common themes running through people's problems. And then that gives you a sense of where to start. That's great. A couple of things I'm going to add here. Uh, one, uh, just as a general rule, something's always better than nothing when it comes to ministry. Absolutely. Yeah. Cup of water may not be able to help somebody, uh, make rent payment next month, but now they have water. Sure. And yeah. water's better than dehydrating. 
So there's that. It's always, and even if it's just the gesture, it's always better to do something. One of the things about a lot of people you mentioned here, homeless people, uh, prostitutes, inmates, uh, is they go through most of their day, almost every day, feeling like people will really wish they were somewhere else. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So any kind of, it's very sad to say out loud, but any basic human dignity and compassion you can show them will actually go a long way towards their kind of uh, mental and emotional well-being, mm. which actually is a big thing. Morale is huge yeah. in people who need to are trying to make these massive changes in their lives. Uh, I'm going to echo something Jed said and maybe even take a little tack on it, but the teamwork thing is very true. And rather than starting to build a team, it's a lot easier to get involved with something that exists. Yeah. 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 You want to, you really like going around and uh, giving a meal to somebody. That's a great, it would be a lot better for you to find a soup kitchen yeah. for a number of reasons. Yeah. Not the least of which is your own safety. Um, places like uh, places that are well run, know how to maximize uh, the resources they have. Mm -hmm. um, another thing it's weird to say, we know this a lot at the bridge is folks who are willing to go seek out some help are often in a much better place in their life to actually make changes. Yeah. Not to say that people who aren't ready to make that step aren't worth uh, getting to know or aren't um, good people in their own right. They are, but they're also a much worse use of your resources. One of the things of doing ministry that you ha everybody has to come to terms with at some point is you have a limited number of hours in your day, especially if you're volunteering and you have a day job or whatever, and a limited amount of kind of emotional energy to give so for your sake and for the sake of the people you're helping, you're way better off uh, expending that towards people who are ready to put in their end of the bargain to get some changes made. Mm -hmm. So people who are willing to come to a center or um, come to the food pantry or clothes pantry or whatever are making their own effort, which is can be huge. And one other thing I'll add on the end here is... I forgot what I was going to add to the end. Jed, you say something. Oh, I'm sorry, dude. No, you're good. Um, well, look, just to build on, on everything that's been said here, something that we've seen as a pattern a lot, and, and it's usually for a variety of reasons with young people, is you've got a young person, often a college student, who gets it in their mind, I want to do something for the least of these. And um, typically they're in college at this point in their life, and they say, you know what, I see homeless guys around, you know, kind of in the town around where the college is, and I'm going to go and I'm going to minister to them. And they go and they do that for about two or three months, and then they get massively discouraged, and they right. stop doing that. Right. And that's that. Yeah. And this is the thing. We don't want that to happen to you. Um, it's, it's not good for anybody. Um, here's why that's occurring. Is um, um, you don't know anything about homelessness. Um, right. you, you don't know anything about helping a person get out of homelessness. Uh, you, you don't know anything about the struggles of people who are stuck in homelessness. And that's not something for you to feel bad about. There's no way that you would know anything about that. That's right. positive. Yeah. Not knowing what being homeless is like is a blessing. Absolutely. I, I don't know anything about, you know, oncology because I've never been to medical school. I mean, it's just, you know, it's it just it, it is what it is. Uh, what we what we need is um, and this relates back actually to the first question is Glenn said, we need humility. Um, right. We need to come to a point where we say, I have a heart to help, but I don't know how. Um, I, I want to do, I want to live out my faith in a real and substantive way that meets people's physical needs, but I don't know how to do that. The problem that we see, um, and there's a certain demographic of people where we see it a lot, is they assume, oh, I can just figure it out as I go. White people. That may be the common thread. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is the thing is, uh, this is tough stuff that you're not going to figure out on your own. 
Um, uh, if you did, it would take you about 25 years to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, as Matt saying, um, absolutely join a pre-existing team. Find people that are already doing this work. Get plugged in. And one of the reasons for that is they can show you how to do it in an effective way. Um, you, uh, um, we look at change lives on a schedule of uh, years and decades. Uh, not weeks and months. Um, most people that kind of, you know, get excited about the idea of going to an outreach, they want to see change happen in a couple days or they get discouraged. That's mm. that's not realistic. That's not how this stuff actually works. If you'll get connected, as as Matt is saying, with um, a group of people who, who are doing this work and have been doing it for a while, they're going to be able to uh, both show you how to do things that will make a real difference, how to do them in a, sta- in a sustainable way, and how to do that without letting yourself get discouraged. Um, understand there's nothing the devil would like to see more than you burn yourself out um, and give up. And in the process, of, we know some people just don't want to be helped. Sure. Right, uh, right. That's that's a bitter old church person in the making right there. And mm-hmm. we don't want to see that happen to you. Don't let that happen to you. That's a great point. One real practical thing I'll say before we move on here is um, a lot of people don't, when they want to help kind of folks like this, talking about on the street, don't know what to do, don't want to give cash, don't want to do the thing. Some people... Some very Christian people say, well, you know, invite them into the restaurant with you, which sounds adorable. The harsh reality of homelessness, at least in America, is a large number of the people who are homeless are that way because they are either addicted to something or they have mentally, mental illness, which uh, they don't have the resources to treat, which doesn't make them bad people. doesn't make them people I don't want to sit down and share a burger with because they're massively unpredictable. That's cool. So what we're talking about organizations here. You know, drive them to a shelter. Yeah. Or what I'm saying is um, go look up in your city and just gather business cards of every shelter, food pantry thing. You want to hand them a dollar? That's great. Hand them that card, too. And if that also, as Jed's saying, saves you from burnout because you don't give a guy 10 bucks and then walk by the next day and he asks you for money again because he forgot who you are. Which is going to happen. It's going to happen. You give him the card. If he is ready to do something and wants to get a bus fare to that shelter, we're all good. If he wants to keep moving around, you give him the card again. I, that's just something I did in my life to keep the sanity and still be able to kind of help folks out. All right, we're going to move to our last question here. It came in our Tumblr box. It says, I want to minister and help the least of these, the homeless, orphans, widows, the unemployed, etc. But I feel so fake and hypocritical because I have a comfortable day job. My life and theirs are so different. They can't relate to me at all, so what right do I have to minister to them? I feel like I'm condescending. Yeah. Glenn, you start us off. Yeah, no, I, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> come on now. There, there's a lot of, hey, you know, I'd love to minister to them, but we're, so, we're such different people, we probably wouldn't work out. So why don't we, you know. That's one of the first things I get asked, and, 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 and you know, we all get asked when we uh, talk about what we do in churches like, how do you bridge the gap, man? You know. How do you get them to open up? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's. Do you speak their jive language? <laughs> exactly right. Here's the thing about that: is um, I'll tell you a very quick story. Um, we were uh, driving in a family car there when I was a young kid uh, on the uh, interstate in Houston, where I grew up. The traffic's always crazy in this town. Everybody always drives like maniacs, and our car broke down. Just as we were cresting an over the, the 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 apex of an overpass, so we were below the hill there, and we're stuck in the lane. We're not off to the shoulder, uh, and that car is not budging. So people going over that overpass fast enough could just run right into the back of us, and we were all instantly terrified. And immediately the car that, you know, came in behind us within, you know, I don't know, maybe 30 seconds, 
this very beat up, very old, very tired pickup truck with, you know, smoke coming out from the, you know, exhaust pipe pulls in right behind us and stops so that if anything came along, it would hit his car and not ours. Uh, and gets out and immediately just starts pushing our car. And my dad didn't even have time to get out. He just steered towards the, towards the, uh, shoulder there. And this guy pushed the car into the, the, um, the shoulder and came over to the, the thing and said, do you need me to call somebody or do you need help and whatever? And we said, no, we've, we've got it from here and stuff. A friend of ours was on the way, but, uh, the guy got back in the car and drove off and we realized this guy just saved our life. We didn't even get his name. We didn't know anything about him and everything was real quiet. And this was a poor guy. This was a guy definitely way down on his luck and stuff. There's a, there's a moment of quiet in the car and my mother in what was for her an extremely rare moment of self-awareness said, you know, if that guy was walking towards me on the sidewalk, I'd cross the street. Yeah. And here he is helping us out. And there was a moment of conviction there, that sense of um, you don't actually care about the person who's saving your life, whether they are from your ethnic background or from your socioeconomical yeah. level or whatever. You're just glad to get the help. You don't care what yeah. form it comes in. So I think that's the that's the, the there's no excuse that's going to work with that. <coughs> Excuse me. But it is a. A question of if I'm going to minister to someone else as part of a different socioeconomic group or a different culture, it is important for me to go native. If they, uh, if you come to the bridge, all the guys that are there are either in you know run down clothes because they are, have been on the street, or they're in work clothes because they just come from construction jobs and that kind of stuff. So you might have guys that are splattered with paint or something like that, or you know sweaty and that kind of thing. So when we go to the bridge, we wear, you know, the equivalent of sort of a work clothes, you know, you know, uh, you know blue collar type clothes, jeans and T-shirt kind of a place. Well, now um, that's our way of, of fitting into where they are. That's essential. That's important. You know, uh, you know, Paul says, you know, I become all things to all men so that I can by some means reach them. You know, that, that idea that um, I'm, I'm going to go native. I'm going to be on what they're on. I'm going to. Uh, figure out how to fit within this culture that I'm trying to reach. Now, you don't change your personality mm-hmm. within that. You don't change your character, your heart. Uh, the, the, if That's being fake. Yeah. Uh, that's that's the last thing we want to do. And unfortunately, that's Christian's first instinct is how, which direction do I fake it? You know, this is about being able to say, I want to be myself, you know, and I want to talk, you know, if you, if you hear me preach at the bridge, uh, you'll hear me talk about growing up in Texas and cows and things and whatever. Uh, so I'm bringing myself and my own personality to that. But I'm exp- I'm telling that story about cows in Texas in a way that, that would be understandable and make sense to an inner city audience, if you see what I'm saying. So it's important that we honor that culture, that we, we participate in that culture to find out what that culture values. And there's a lot of people we see going into uh, missions, short-term missions or whatever, where they are definitely the other, you know, they're definitely yeah. separate and different and they're not trying to blend in that way. And that's a, that's a bad thing. Uh, and the final thing I say on that is, uh, you may feel like you're not the perfect person to do, uh, this kind of work, 
do it until somebody else better comes along. Yep. That's what we're doing. Uh, there's definitely got to be somebody who knows more Bible than we do, is prettier in the face than we are, has a much more acceptable personality than we do. Better behaved. Better behaved in every possible way. Um, but that person is not doing this yeah. ministry. So we're just doing it to hold down that spot until they come along. Uh, whoever that is is very slow in arriving. So, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, uh, the, you know, uh, but we're, we're uh, it, it, if, if God puts it on your heart to do it, you do that until somebody else better comes along. Absolutely, Judd. I agree with everything Glenn said. Uh, you know, you asked uh, what right do you have to minister to them. You either got love in your heart or you don't. Yeah. Um, uh, if if you got love in your heart, that qualifies you. Uh, if you don't have love in your heart, stay home. Yeah. Um, uh, and if you got love in your heart, then it's down to strategy. You know, how do we do this in an effective fashion? And and I think Glenn said it right. It's about you know, figuring out how do I how do I blend in in a way that's authentic and real without being uh, fakey? Um, you know, a big yeah. part of my job is the music at the bridge. You know, I write a lot of, of songs. Um, most of the worship music we do is, is original stuff that we do. And um, I grew up listening to the Beatles, um, uh, James Taylor, Paul Simon, you know, all, you know, 60s folk music. Um, and uh, I write songs like a guy who uh, grew up listening to 60s folk music. Um, I, I didn't grow up lo- listening to Luther Vandross. Um, right. And I don't write like it. Here's the thing is um, no one at the bridge expects me to write my imitation of R&B. Right. Because that would be super weird. Right, right. right. Um, uh, but it does mean um, that I'm not writing songs with $10 words in them. Um, talking about the majesty of the glory of the uh, mm-hmm. uh, revealing, you know, um, I'm trying to keep it plain, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm uh, uh, being true to myself in that I'm not pretending um, to be on a Motown record, um, but I'm being true to the environment at the same time and saying, you know, what what we need to be effective here is we need, um, you know, uh, um, uh, plain spoken words, uh, easy melodies, easy rhythms, and I can do that. Um, and so it is for you. Whatever it is that the Lord's calling you to do, if you've got the love in your heart, you're qualified. Um, the, the rest is the details of figuring out how do I um, uh, uh, be myself um, uh, uh, and, and, you know, be accessible at the same time. We have, we have people at the bridge. It's, it's weird to say it, but we have people at the bridge who come in there. Uh, we got a good buddy who's from New Zealand. Um, who preaches at the bridge yes. regularly? Um, you know, uh, he sounds like an alien in that place uh, to, to those guys. Yeah, to those guys. I mean, um, and they're not expecting him to try and ape an American accent right. uh, to yeah. to do that. Uh, but he's got the love in his heart, and he's willing to try and meet him halfway in terms of understanding one another. Right. Um, you know, uh, we've got guys that just are sweater wearing dudes. They right. just love them some sweaters right. and come in there, but they got love in the heart. Um, they're wearing yep. the sweater, but they're doing everything they can to meet these guys halfway and break things down mm-hmm. in a way that makes sense. And those guys love that. they got no problem yeah, with that. they're ready to get down on their level. Exactly right. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. And it's important point you make that the guys we're working with don't put up with it, don't tolerate it. They love those dudes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, is yeah. their guy. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, by contrast, uh, just real quick, we have had, not often because we encourage them to be somewhere else, but we've had people that go in there kind of trying to ape an urban culture. Yeah, that's not oh. good. That is not well received no. uh, mm-hmm. at all. And there are also people who are part of that urban culture that come in with an attitude of, since I am from the same neighborhood as you, you have to now listen to me. That doesn't go well either. Without me earning the right to be heard, like we talked about earlier, yeah, that doesn't work either. So yeah, the guys we work with, the thing that they wonder is, do you got the love in your heart? 
Uh, if you got the love in your heart, I'm prepared to listen. If you're willing to meet me halfway on breaking stuff down for me, I'm really prepared to listen. Yeah. Um, maybe you're a nerdy dude. If you can help break down that nerdiness, I'm down with hearing you out. But the, the key thing is the love in your heart. That's absolutely true. One quick thing I'll close out on here is when you're doing least of these ministry, um, it's a good thing to have like a car and a steady job because that's something that these people want. So a homeless person taking life advice from another homeless person doesn't exactly make a lot of sense because yep. if you knew how to do this, why would you be here? Like, as Glenn said, you know, we do kind of dress down at the bridge, but nobody's showing up with jeans with holes in them. You know, we all, none of us drive exactly what you would call nice cars, but <laughs> in the neighborhood we do ministry and they would be considered so because they're mm -hmm. not from the 80s and nobody begrudges any of us that. People want to take some advice from people who... Uh, on some level, have their stuff together because yeah. that's part of earning the right to be heard. Now, as we, you've heard many times in this episode, and it'll keep coming up, you got to have the humility to be honest about the fact that we're all kind of a work in progress and a mess, but you want to show that you are maybe a little further along in that work in progress than they are, and that's why you can show them uh, how to do it. Uh, to round off this particular question, I will echo both what uh, Jed and Glenn have said. The thing that qualifies you is that you're willing to do it. Yeah, man. There's so many people more qualified for these jobs, and they would not get within 100 miles of this mission field. Absolutely so right. We're the guys, and uh, God, God's calling you to a place. He's putting that on your heart because you've got something to offer. And if you wanted somebody else, he'd call them there. So if you, feel, if you prayed it up, you feel like you're going to go, go be your, I'm assuming, white, nerdy, kind of nervous, earnest self, and it'll all come around. One final thing really on all these questions Um as you're looking to get into doing any form of Lisa Lee's ministry, blow up our inboxes. Yes. Oh, you yeah. never wear us out with questions about how to do that stuff and how to do it effectively. We do um, that all day, every day, and we're happy to do it. Exactly right. And and we can, um, this isn't modesty, we've just made a lot of mistakes, so we figure out how to not do them. We can save you years of trouble, man. You bet. Uh, if, you're, if you're looking to do Lisa's ministry, uh, write any of us, write Lee. Um, we'd love to talk stuff out with you. You'd never, ever bother us. It'd never be something like, gosh, would this guy leave me alone? Um, mm. Please don't try and figure this stuff out on your own. Absolutely. Speaking of those inboxes, you have a question for us on anything. Uh, MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox is a different address. That doesn't really help here, but we hope you'll uh, visit it anyway. If you have questions, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. Uh, if you want to get your question on the podcast, please specify that. We try to do those on the blog and the podcast. You can always email us. If you have something a little longer to say, say that podcast at gmail.com. One last, one more time, we remind you, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. $8 to get ministry done in 360 degrees, both directions. You will get ministered to, and you will fund the stuff we're talking about here, especially the least of these stuff. We now have a guy hired part-time to help people with jobs. We can give people bus passes. We put boots on people's feet and shirts on their back in this very cold Chicago winter. We can only do that because people support Bridgebox, $8 a month. You're not going to find anybody who does more ministry for that. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. Nothing you can do about it. If Lee saw Noah, I get dips on his TV. Woo! <laughs>